objective. Thrill me. Thanks for joining us again. We were, we have got the action hero draft coming up, but we've been approached and, and provided a screener for a new film that's coming out on May the twentieth called I Blame Society, and so we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of a run through on that one. Uh, Jared, you sat down with me the other day to, to check it out. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting one. We'll get to it. Uh, it's not, I guess, what you would specifically call a horror film. It's a bit of a weird mix, but um, we'll get to it. Before that, just a quick whip round, Jared. Have you seen anything decent recently? Uh, well, you know, whether I've seen anything decent is always uh, a big question, question mark there. Yeah, but, um, true. Yeah, I've watched, I've watched a handful of things. Um, I had been sort of just working my way through some through some. Uh, Seinfeld, which I mentioned last time, just to just to break up the break up the usual fare that we get into. But in terms of movies, I watched. I started working on the Cabin Fever films again. Oh, so I went back to Cabin Fever and I watched Cabin Fever two. Cabin Fever is still pretty solid. I still still enjoy it. It's got some really quality things about it. Cabin Fever two, on the other hand, just. Bit of a letdown would would be one way to describe it. It's just um, it doesn't have the same kind of um, the humour for one. I felt the humour in Cabin Fever is is pretty great at times. Cabin Fever two just seems to stoop to it's almost like American Pie level gross out <laughs> gross out humour at times. No right, and it's just not as not as engaging. I like the way that sort of Cabin Cabin Fever crafted the little take on you know the the cabin in the woods thing and but the the thing is a skin skin eating disease rather than the usual sort of the cabin in the wood fair cabin in the woods fair but yeah. i think it when i watched it a few years back i think the the comedy element wasn't quite as apparent to me i don't know whether i just wasn't wasn't prepared for that or i'd heard different things at the time but this time around i got got a bit more of the humor out of it and enjoyed it finally we got onto some uh joe bob briggs on shutter Right. They actually gave us one episode, which I'm still a bit filthy about because, I mean, it's the guy's just great to watch on these things because he's so knowledgeable about the genre. And this one actually had Eli Roth for significant parts of the significant parts of the episode, which was part of the reason I went back to Cabin Fever. Right. So yeah, it was Mother's Day the episode that we got, and I actually hadn't seen it before, so I was quite. Uh, Quite happy to check it out. It's not bad. It's not a bad, not a bad entry into that eighties eighties kind of slash. It's not even really slasher. It's a it's a little bit. I don't know. It's a bit more. I guess it's in the Texas Chainsaw sort of realm, but without the kind of grimy element. It again goes for a bit of humour. I mean, there's a couple of scenes in there that are very untidy and are a bit hard to kind of get along cool. with, but. Overall, there's there again. There's a bit of bit of dark sort of humour to a couple of the characters, especially the, the two brothers in there. But yeah, having Joe Bob Briggs in there is is awesome. The guy's just excellent to watch if you're a fan of horror. And you know, being that we are removed from the states, we we don't seem to get the access to him as as readily. So to just get that one episode was was fucking excellent. But then of course it left me a little bit jaded with Shutter that we couldn't get. Much more than that. Obviously, yeah. we got the Christmas stuff, but without the movies. And I was a bit annoyed with that. 
but at least if you give us the content, we can hunt him down if we if we're able. Like if the rights issues are a thing, like just give us his parts. That was good to get to, and I finally was able to pick up Willie's Wonderland with Nick Cage. (laughs) Nick Cage. Which I had been looking forward to because it was, I mean, essentially it's a Five Nights at Freddy's rip-off, and I'm kind of familiar with them because my kids like to get into that sort of gateway stuff at the moment, but, of course, they're still a bit creeped out by some of it, so they end up handing me the, the bloody iPad or the PlayStation controller and saying, can you can you do this? And so I'm the one that cops all the jump scares and all that sort of stuff, but it was okay. It was okay. Cage was all right. It's, it's another... It's another strange performance from the guy. Parts of it make sense. Parts of it make sense, sense if you're familiar with the uh, the games. Parts of the what he does make sense. And if if you weren't familiar with the games, it would seem really odd. But there's a, one particular aspect of his performance that fits very neatly with the games. Um, if you've got any experience with them, but I mean, mm. there's yeah, there's still some there's still some crazier elements. I mean, we do we do get plenty of we we seem to get him. Fucking dancing at a couple of points and uh, punching through energy drinks and things like this, which is, I don't know, it's a bit of a laugh. I didn't Nicholas. mind it for what it was. There was a couple of moments with the animatronics and things that were kind of creepy, and then I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that I did not thoroughly enjoy, you know, parts where Cage just unloads and starts belting the shit out of these, these kind of puppet things, like. It was very amusing in, in parts, but at the end of the day, it wasn't wasn't anything other than a bit of sort of enjoyable fluff that you probably won't go back to very often. Fair enough. Anything else? That was it for me. All right. Mine were pretty lean as well. I continued on with the Fast and Furious franchise. Unfortunately, I did did not see Fate of the Furious. It was not available on any of the services, so I I did not see Fast Aid. Jared, you were a little bit underwhelmed by Fast Aid, correct? Yeah, I don't think it's one of the better ones. So I didn't miss anything, but I went to the spin-off, Hobbs and Shaw. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a a bit more, actually, because it was a little bit lighter in tone. Of course, Uh, you're coming around. A little bit... Well, I mean, it had more of that stuff that I liked about the the, the fast movies, which was the, the banter between Tyrese and Ludacris. Yeah. It was the same thing here, but it was jacked up a little bit mm. with The Rock and Statham. Was The Rock uh, jacked look, up too? I know you were a little bit... Oh, The, the Rock was felt, jacked up. I know you felt... He wasn't was overjacked though, I don't over-jacked. think. <laughs> but he was jacked up. And it was pretty good fun for the most part. I mean, look, this is the kind of lowbrow humour, but... When Statham gives the rocker an alias of Mike Oxmall, I, of course, found that shit highly amusing. <laughs> of course he did. You but love it. it does kind of taper a little bit towards the end. The, the final um, action scene, although quite sort of explosive and pretty well done, is just fucking lunacy mm. uh, involving a helicopter and a half a dozen trucks. And... Idris Elba is just shafted. I mean, fuck, every time <laughs> he turned out to be almost bulletproof or something, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Mm. So, and, and he, he's, you know, he's such a great actor, he gets kind of shifted into this pretty shitty villain role. 
which was disappointing. But other than that, I think the film was quite entertaining and it, it would be one that I'd prefer to go back to hmm. as opposed to some of the other fast films. So that's, that's an interesting little situation. I watched the second episode of Creepshow, season two. I really liked it, the one involving the space station and the, you know, touching base with aliens for the first time. Yep. And then the, the second story was the, the girl who believed her brother was trying to kill her. Yes. I thought they were both pretty well done. Yeah, they were pretty good, actually. So I'm happy with Creepshow, and I'll continue on with that. I and mean, it's the only way Shadow's getting my money at the moment. <laughs> The other things I watched, I watched the Sons of Sam documentary. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just shit. The documentary was taking this bloke's theories that the son of Sam was not just David Berkowitz, it was a cult. Yeah. And sort of purporting them to almost be like fact. And I was like, this is just circumstantial crap. You know, there is not a shred of solid, solid evidence that indicates that. And that includes Berkowitz giving interviews. Even that when Berkowitz says that that's the case, I'm taking that shit with a grain of salt. I mean, the guy's a fucking mass murderer. Yeah. You know, he'd, he'd, be, he'd be a well-schooled fucking bullshit artist. Yep. I'd say. And it's just, it, the whole thing, it's just too long. It's... Just everybody's to blame. Mm. <laughs> like, this guy wraps up Scientology, fucking <laughs> Charles Manson. They were making snuff films. There's satanic cults involved. I'm just like, take your pick. Yeah. <laughs> you get, every person involved is involved in this cult, right? Yeah. And one of the most interesting elements for me, because I'd actually read about this case before, is there was a guy, he was involved with the Cotton Club and he was he wanted to become a producer. He was a millionaire. His name was Roy Raiden. Mm-hmm. And um, he was found murdered down in a bloody ravine or something. And these guys, this guy tried to tie it to this fucking cult. And then, of course, three men were indicted for his fucking murder and it had to do with the Cotton Club and money and drugs associated with that. I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> doesn't that really put a dent in your, in your story? <laughs> yeah. But no, nah, he kept ploughing on. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, I um, I, I mean, you, you mentioned it to me, and I was like, oh, that's disappointing, you know, putting up with bloody bullshit conspiracy theories in, in the midst of a doco. And then I moved on to... um. So what about Sasquatch on Hulu? The one about the uh, the one about the triple murder that's been pinned on a Sasquatch. That sounds bloody good. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking at me yeah, like I'll watch the trailer for that too. <laughs> it actually does look very good. It actually but it was looks quite better. of uh, you know you know two, two sides of the are. same coin. It's a it's a different. It looks like a totally different approach though. It looks like it's going to go into pulling that apart a little bit while retaining yeah. the kind of the the mystery and the the kind of the campfire tale kind of aspect of it. But yeah, yeah the, the the son of Sam one, like you said, you've got to fucking back this shit up with some evidence before you make a four hour doco on it. Like, you know, yeah. just I don't know that there was there used to be a step that that involved looking at what you had and then saying, yeah, we'll put four hours into that. If it's just you saying it, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> don't and know. this guy, you know, he's there going because it was all his diaries and shit. And they're actually narrated by Paul Giamatti. Yep. 
And so he, at one point he says, oh, the police, not long after Son of Sam was caught, the police had its biggest sort of promotion, um, group of promotions. And so all these police officers got, you know, got, you know, promotions and got sort of put up the ranks. And I'm just sitting there thinking, you wrote three fucking books full of crap. So you got fat and giggly off this stuff too. Yeah, of course. You know, don't sit there and go, the police were all getting promotions and patting each other on the back. Yeah, so were you. Yeah. So, I mean, there wasn't a shred of solid evidence in my mind. It was all just supposition and and conspiracy and tying everything to this cult. And they mm. try to end, they sort of end the doco with a kind of like a, almost like a he was right kind of thing. And I was just like, so I still don't think he was right. But it's possible, but you've got to have something more solid. Yeah. And and, and the ravings of David Berkowitz is not going to do it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, I mean, he's not the most stable of witnesses to your fucking, your ramblings, is he? Wasn't he? Wasn't he talking about bloody voices that were speaking to him? Yeah, yeah. So and <laughs> he's he has been in prison for forty years. Okay, yeah. so when they actually got to interview him, I think he'd been in prison for twenty years. Right? Here's mm-hmm. a guy who's a manipulator, uh, a sociopath. Uh, you know, he will trot out whatever you like. Correct. <laughs> to get you not... on board. Yeah. Yeah, there's issues. Yeah. There's issues there. Yeah. So it was I, it was well made, but it was just another one of these ones where it just seems like true crime has now become a, a haven to spout conspiracy theories from mm. web sleuths to documentarians to... Yeah, well, that was the issue with the Cecil Hotel. Like, I think that one was a relevant, a, a relevant um, topic to look at because that shit did explode on the internet and and whatever but i think they spent too much time building up this community of of the people that were pulling it apart and then just quickly at the end kind of mentioned yeah none of it ever amounted to anything because they were all wrong correct it didn't actually sort of it didn't to me sufficiently say this was a creepy video that got out of hand because a number of people that didn't have all the facts really were getting yeah. involved in it and, and pulling it apart and kind of almost at times they were well, they were, they were dictating the narrative in the media at points. Correct. And the Cecil Hotel kind of has I guess is a sort of a companion piece to this, in a sense yeah. that those people Shaped the theories and the and the ideas of what went on to what they felt was correct. Yeah, that's right. right. Not looking at it objectively, they were not. Look- and this guy, who's in this, who's the key player in this Son of Sam one, he's not looking at it objectively. Mm. Quite frankly, in in my mind, he came across as a fucking hack. <laughs> he <Okay>. did. <laughs> he came across as a hack journo. Yeah. He was basically looking for something to hang his hat on. I mean, his producer at one point says, oh, when we got a Berkowitz interview, it was like the Golden Fleece. Of course it was the Golden Fleece. You got to interview one of the most notorious people in America. Yeah. You know, it's like getting an interview with Ted Bundy or an interview with Charles Manson. Mm. You know, it, it just struck me as 
this guy wanted to fit this together. So everything was fitted. And so nobody believed him because it was such an, a tall tale, whereas there could have been some strength to some of it if he'd have found the right, the right angle and stuck with that mm. instead of trying to sort of ram everything into it. So it was pretty poor in my book. And once again, I'm being let down by Netflix <laughs> at a rate of knots on documentaries about true crime. Yeah, they have been, been very uh, poor recently. Yeah, it has been capped off by unsolved mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, label, I'll put one more kick in there. Yeah, well, Hulu, Hulu has picked up the. As I told you, they dropped the supernatural baton, and Hulu has fucking picked it up and run with it. <laughs> Scooped up the Sasquatch baton. <laughs> Fucking hoisted it high and is running around. Don't tell me you didn't watch that documentary and immediately, uh, immediately Google where you could watch it in Australia. You did. I know you did. If they if they pick up, whip out another one about Loch Ness, fucking, I am in. (laughs) I am right in. As I said though, the 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 trailer for the doco looks fantastic, but at the end of it, you sit there going. We know where this is going, right? Okay, so there's there's three murders that are, pinched, uh, are pinned on a Sasquatch. It's in the middle of the uh, it's in the middle of Appalachian marijuana <laughs> marijuana growing country, <laughs> where people get around with guns and go missing um, at a higher rate than anywhere else in the states. I'm pretty sure it's not Sasquatch. I think that's where we're going with this. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm no detective, but I think that's where it's headed. <laughs> I, I couldn't stop laughing at the sequence in the trailer where those those two dudes sitting next to each other and he, one yeah. of them says something about, you believe in time travelling, Sasquatch, yeah. don't you? Sasquatch He's like, no, I don't. <laughs> He's like, I did not <laughs> say that. <laughs> yeah, Bridget. I started pissing myself. I'm like, so this is where we're at. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, dear. No, okay, so I finished Cobra Kai, season yep. three. Uh, I thought it ended well. Once again, you know, there's a heel turn in there and there's a, you know, or a back to, you know, people seem to turn back and forth between dojos like it's going out of fashion. (laughs) Yeah. I also like the fact that Miguel broke his back and is back to kicking people's heads in within about three months. Yeah, yeah, but like you said, Bruce Lee did that, so. Yeah, I know, but that's different. (laughs) (laughs) Took him a year too, by the way. Yeah, well, I, I didn't think see there's a, a calendar bit... on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but yeah, I think there's a difference between the greatest martial artist ever and some, some you know, kid who's been working out martial arts for a year. <laughs> like, Maybe. But I did enjoy it. I thought it was really well done, mm-hmm. uh, as per usual. And I think that they, they touched a lot of nostalgic parts of the films yeah, this, they that season. They went back to um, Okinawa, they brought in characters from the sequel. Um, they obviously brought Elizabeth Shue back, uh, which I thought was cool, really cool. Well, do you think we'll see Hilary Swank? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> but why? Uh, well, <laughs> I have seen that one. Um, it's but yes, shit, but... I doubt it. You know, this is this this show is a hot property. She might... It is. She might want to jump on board. But yeah. I, that's not the question. It's whether they want her. Yeah, because true. It's just because it's, of, it's way out of the canon almost, it's, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's completely separate. The only link really is Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Be interesting if she turned up. Yeah, it'd be, uh, uh, it'd be interesting to see how they worked it in. Yeah, true. 
And the last thing is I got through a mate at work. I jumped onto Luther, mm-hmm. which is Idris Elba's series, uh, UK. Uh, he's, a, he's a detective in, in London. Yep. Mate, fucking goal. Excellent. I watched the first season. Mate, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a big, I'm a big fan of that bloke. Mm, he's, he's such great. a good actor. Uh, yep. And the show is kind of a bit grittier and a bit more real, I guess, uh, in comparison to some of these other shows that they trot out. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, mm. So it was a really good first season. But that's it for me. All right. Let's take a break. Here's the trailer for 2020's I Blame Society. This is where I would bury Stalin and murder her if I did it. Now all I have to do is roll her into the grave, cover it up, and make sure I take everything with me. Yeah, I just, I sort of wish there was that strong female lead. Some mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah someone likable. I just can't sit back and wait for permission from some guy to make a movie. You know, nobody wants you to make a movie as much as you want to make one yourself. Just make it happen. I would walk people through how I would commit the perfect murder. You my scary girl? (laughs) I'm scouting locations for the next scene of the film. Ground floor apartment, perfect. I'll come back later when it's time to complete the next, next step, breaking and entering when the occupant is home. Lean in, baby. Murder is probably not realistically depicted on television, so I would do some Googling first. All the best serial killers are unpredictable. They look at the criminal profile they're forming, and they strike outside of it. I could unwittingly reveal too much about myself psychologically by my choice of targets. It's pretty clever, right? There's no movie that is worth hurting someone for. There are just real benefits to killing a bad person. If you get a good movie out of it, that's an additional advantage. I'm so good at murdering, it just sucks that I can't get the credit for it. You're not gonna stop me. You can't anticipate me. You can't predict me. I Blame Society. It's directed by Gillian Wallace Horvath, who actually directed a, looks like a documentary called Strike Me Deadly, Making American Ninja 3. Hey, Probably shit. wouldn't mind saying that. Yeah, yeah, let's check that <laughs> one out. <laughs> it's written by uh, Wallace Horvath and Chase Williamson. It's produced by Michelle Craig, who produced a TV show called Bitchcraft. Metty Marie... Kongsfeld, who produced a film called I Don't Feel at Home in the World Anymore. Laura Tunstall, who produced Get Duked. And Monty Zajacek, who produced Natural Selection. It stars Gillian Wallace Horvath as Gillian, Keith Poulsen as Keith, and Chase Williamson as Chase. I could not find a budget number. Um, I'd suggest it's, it's low budget. And the box office, all I could find was it's made $695 worldwide. So I don't know where it's been released. Now, as I said before, I couldn't find any trivia either. As I said before, this was actually provided to us by Arcadia Films uh, as a screener to basically cover if we felt 
we wanted to. So we decided to do a quick episode like we did with a couple of others. Jared, was it It was in Fabric and we did another one? Mm-hmm. And the Furies. can't remember what the other one. Oh, the Furies, yes. So we're probably going to try and keep it as spoiler-free as possible. Um, as I said, it comes out in cinemas in May the 20th and then I think gets released to streaming or uh, video on demand or any of those in, say, June or July. All right, Jared, what was your take on I Blame Society? Yeah, look, I was pretty pretty happy with it. As you mentioned, I was um, when I had a bit of a look at it, I was probably expecting more in a horror movie kind of vein, which wasn't really the case. So that uh, when, when we were watching it, I was kind of expecting something that I didn't necessarily get. But that doesn't mean that it was it was um, not an enjoyable experience. It absolutely was. I think it was a nifty little kind of mockumentary style bit of work that is clearly sort of putting out a message in regards to the way females are sort of treated in the film industry and um, and obviously it gets to kind of broader society as well. But the way that it, it, it is put out there is is quite interesting. Like there was parts of it where mm. it was very, very funny. The dark humour was working really well in spots. Yeah. And then they also managed to put in these really well-directed and really kind of affecting creepy moments where she's kind of enacting her plan that also worked really well. I guess my my issues came in where I felt like the tone sort of shifted too hard, I guess, took too hard of a turn at certain points. And I guess there was... By the end of it, I was slightly unclear on a couple of the messages, but overall, I think it did a really good job of putting out what it was what it was aiming to do, and it was a it was a really funny little bit of work, funnier than I expected. That was the that was the surprise for me that I wasn't kind of expecting it to be as as amusing as it was in in parts. So I I was look I probably ended off at a three, but the more I've kind of gone back to parts of it and thought about things, and I wouldn't mind checking it out again to be honest. I reckon I'd probably push more up to the three and a half range, but on yesterday's viewing, I'll settle on a three. Okay, look I. I went a little bit lower. I went to two and a half. Look, it's a really inter- interesting sort of independent film made on a shoestring and it has some really quite good moments sprinkled throughout. But I'm like you and it probably affected me a little bit more. The tone is all over the map. I mean, it jumps from humorous to quite dark. It kind of hits the dark point. I remember sitting there thinking, well, hang on. <laughs> Yeah, I was well, giggling a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, that's yeah, I mean, like me and you have often sort of spoken about how sometimes the the dark comedy kind of things aren't necessarily our favourite kind of uh, films to dabble in. No. But I felt yeah, there was there was pockets of this where it was spot on. Like I was getting what I what I felt like, and me and you kind of mentioned a little bit of Leslie Vernon. I mean, it's a very different film, but there were aspects yeah. about it where it was really funny the way it was talking about the the subject matter that was really dark, but tossing it yeah. around in ways that had you giggling and really funny lines of dialogue and things like that. Yeah, agreed. I too was also kind of confused. By a couple of instances, um, especially a guy who pops up near the end. <laughs> now I'll yeah. discuss it later. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know where he came from. Maybe I missed something. <laughs> but overall, it was it was pretty solid for what 
you're making very, on a very small budget. Yeah. You know, I don't think there was a lot of money in this. I think it's pretty well directed. I think they made the, the right choice to go with a documentary style because that's easier to perhaps do when you, you don't need to, you know, have thousands of cameras and heaps of equipment. You can get out your GoPros and do all that sort of stuff. So I think they made the right choice there, and I think it works under those circumstances. But it's kind of a little bit hit and miss. It, it, it gets some moments in that I really liked, and then there's just other parts where I felt, well, you've kind of missed the market touch here. Mm. So two and a half for me. As far as likes go, as I said, they, they had a very small budget, and to use the documentary style, it fit well with what they were trying to produce, as opposed yeah. to we've got no money, how, the, how can we do this cheaply? Oh, that's right. We'll get a few cameras and we'll stick them on our bodies, and that's it. You know, it, it was meant to be like that, and I think it was it was done pretty well under those circumstances. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, it was clear that it was um it was made very cheaply, but that kind of plays into part of its charm a little bit because there's points where yeah. you know people are calling into not calling into question, but they're they're questioning aspects of the character's work. And you know, there's there's parts where her agent is not as you know not not really pleased with with what's going on. So it kind of it kind of works in the context of the movie. Yes, agreed. And I agree that it had it felt a little bit like something like Behind the Mask in its aesthetic and and its I guess its ideas mm. had a little bit of a, a, a touched on something that you would have seen in Behind the Mask. Not like as you said, totally different films, but. The style and the actual idea of you know wanting to commit a murder on you know having this sort of film that you're making and then almost sort of going further into it than you should. Mm. I felt that that kind of that's where I got the connection. Yep. I thought the initial idea of sort of sitting down with the boy, the her mate, in the first few minutes and kind of explaining what she wants to do. And this whole idea about killing her, his his girlfriend, as part of the plot, I thought that was cool. That was interesting. Yeah, you it know, was, and the way uh, it was it kind was, of presented. Like it, it made the the thing immediately compelling. Like it, as soon as she, as soon as she started broaching it, you were looking at it, going, "Oh, okay, there's this kind of this this is going to play out." It's yeah, a very it's very kind of. It really piques your interest in the idea, and again, it starts starts the comedy, the way that she's delivering it to him. You know, talking about how she she thinks she'd be a really good uh, killer, and that <laughs> that she wants to, you know, possibly set up how she do do in his missus. Yeah, it was, exactly. It was quite funny from the get go, and, and immediately had you had you sort of hooked in. Yeah, and she's kind of presenting in such a matter of fact thing of like you know, like you're talking to your mate over coffee, you know. Mm-hmm kind of discussing it almost in a movie, you know, in a work sort of sense. Okay, this is what I want to do, da 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 just, you know, talking about the movie industry. So that was interesting enough. I also liked, you know, and again, touching back to the whole Rise of Leslie Vernon sort of connection, is the way that she kind of talked about how stalking her, while she stalked her, she called it scouting locations. Yeah, you know, she's off yeah, scouting yeah. locations and then she's wandering around this woman's house and all this sort of stuff. I thought that was again quite a quite a darkly humorous kind of point. Yep. 
Uh, your one of your favorite pieces was where she was trying to break into her house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I was when I was when I was looking at that, I was thinking more of like you know, I couldn't help but imagine how someone like Leslie Nielsen would break into that situation. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there was there was a part at the end of it that kind of I don't know. It's again, I don't want to don't want to spoil too much because obviously. Um, you know, we're giving our thoughts on this, this having seen it ahead of time. So to basically, this, it's just a little bumbling moment on the back of, you know, when she's talking about how well she, she thinks she'd go at this and then you just get this little instance of <laughs> at an absolute yeah. screw-up. That, yeah, that up. is where, again, the comedy really works. And there was, I mean, there was other parts where I felt, the dark humor was was really landing. I mean, there was there was portions where she's talking to other people in her life about how they reckon she'd go. That's that's very funny. Moving into things like fake suicide notes that she ends up writing, which yeah. I mean, there was there was points where I was I was fucking laughing at that. Yeah. <laughs> it was that they were some of the funnier parts in the movie. Yeah, the suicide really notes. A couple of them were excellent. Yeah, and there's really um. There's moments in there that that are really kind of they're funny because they're skewering millennials and all this sort of shit. That, but they are also that they use those notes to kind of. I mean, she's talking about millennials and skewering them in the letter, but as a way of flipping it back on the dude that's that's supposedly writing the suicide note, actually kind yeah. of opening up his flaws a little bit, which are they're really well handled. That was one of my favourite sequences in the movie. Yeah. Well, there's and actually look- there's actually a few of them, but yeah. I know that I sort of said that the tone perhaps got a bit jarring, but there's a couple of sequences about, you know, 40 minutes in or whatever where she starts kind of trying to enact the plan and she sort of gets kind of geared up to go and kind of break into this to people's homes. And there's a couple of really kind of creepily effective points where she's kind of wandering around the house in the middle of the night with a balaclava on her head and the person's there. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of creepy, you know, where she's kind of got the selfie stick out and she's filming and she's, you know, just behind her is the person that she's who owns the house. Yeah. Laying I felt in like, their bed asleep. Well, there was parts there. There was a, there was a handful of them. There was also the, this, a sequence involving a, a homeless guy that, that she sort of, and I know we're going to talk about that a little more because there was an aspect of it I didn't like, but it starts quite humorously where she makes a few jokes that, Again, they're, they're sort of. Um, she presents as kind of tone deaf the way she's talking to the bloke, mm. but then when there's there's a bit of ca- uh, f- a bit of footage of back and forth, there's parts where I was just I felt really uncomfortable. That's how I think that's yeah. how how well the the sort of sequences were shot. That I was I was getting really uncomfortable watching it, even though I knew it was a movie. It was just so well done yeah. in that in that documentary style that I was just kind of like, "Fuck, I'm, this is really kind of unsettling." Yeah, certainly with regards to the guy in the wheelchair, because a lot of that sort of plays out like what you would kind of you hear about how serial killers trap their victims, yeah. type of thing. Yeah, definitely. So some of the things she says to him, it's kind of. There's a real sort of eerie quality to all that. Yeah, and the way um, that it focuses on him and his reactions and things like that quite a, quite a bit yeah. it is very eerie and very kind of unsettling. Exactly. I thought there was another really quite quite solid sequence where she's sort of trying to 
kill or, 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 or at least drug one of her victims. And it's all shot from, like, a camera looking at the person who's on the couch and then her GoPro, and she's right behind the couch. Mm. And you sort of see her sort of scuttle out for a few seconds in the, in the wide shot. And then you come back to the GoPro and the girl moves on the couch and, you know, sort of readjusts and you think for a second, oh, shit, and, you know, she's going to be seen. And I thought that was really effectively done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was, that was I, I remember the part you're talking about. Actually, it was very good. Mm. What else do we have? I found it quite humorous where every single person that she she'd always kind of like, given them something to drink. And then one bloke tells her the straight edge. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not a drinker. <laughs> and she just takes the bottle and bashes it over his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And That's then proceeds it. to write one of the funniest suicide notes again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again, was... around his, you know, non-drinking and shit like that is all caught up in it. And yeah, a, a couple of those things. There's a, there's a good portion there about the midpoint where we're seeing a lot more of the suicide notes. We're seeing, I think, a darker tone that, again, yeah. probably comes into my dislikes. But yep. there are multiple scenes there where the, those things are happening, and it's kind of it, find its, it kind of finds its groove there for a while. Yeah, it does. I actually think, you know, keeping, keeping it very sort of tight-lipped on, on how it all goes down, I was actually uh, – I felt the ending – was very good and sort of nailed yes nailed a bit of the message for me and really what I got out of the movie was was a bit about and again it's kind of society in general but there was some sort of pointed messages about how she as a woman is is told going through this process of making the movie is told all about how it should be done by funnily enough a couple of blokes the movie executives who start telling her about what people want, how they want all this allyship, and one of the blokes talking about yeah. inter intersexuality, and the other guy nudges him and goes intersectionality, <laughs> kind of corrects him, basically, <laughs> you know, really effectively illustrating they've got no fucking idea what they're talking about, and they're telling a yeah. woman how to authentically do it as a woman and all this sort of stuff, and then and they, they keep coming back to, you know, we need a stronger, yeah, a stronger a strong, female, character. strong female character, and all, that. and so she kind of creates this character as she's going through it. And it turns out, you know, she is pretty good at it, even though she's constantly being told how it should be done by other people and all this sort of stuff. And I felt like the 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 ending kind of drove some of that home. So I was pretty happy with with how how Yeah, I would agree with that. I also think um, I also got a good laugh from one of the producers makes mention of Can you please delete some photos off my phone? <laughs> While he's being, uh, yeah, being attacked, <laughs> I found that quite humorous. Yeah, yeah. Um, did great. you have anything else? No, I think without sort of going into too much, we, I think that's that's mostly where I where I found the positives around it. Yeah, dislikes. It never really quite settles on the tone because. The first half is more of a no. I wouldn't say light-hearted, but it's it's more steeped in humour. Yeah. What I what I kind of settled on after after watching it was I feel like the mix of the dark tone and the and the humour could absolutely work, 
but there was a couple of points where I felt it was almost too too jarring. Like as you said, mm. there was the point, and you know, some of the real dark stuff is you know, it's clearly it's intentional and it's it's supposed to make us unsettled about the experience. But mm. I just felt like yeah, there was there was a particular part where it just sort of clashed to the point where it sort of took me out of things a little bit. I was I was kind yeah, of yeah, there was one particular back. scene. Yeah, I was kind of stepping back, saying. Like I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. Am I supposed to be laughing or am I supposed to be kind of repulsed? Yeah, and it doesn't work at all. Yeah, there, there was, there was, um, for 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 the majority of the movie, I felt like things were done fairly well in that regard. Particular points, I just felt that the, the clash was a little bit too jarring to really enjoy the the experience like I wanted to. Yeah. And and that's where we segue into the dark, real dark stuff. So yeah. kind of that's the connection point, but it, it's badly handled. Yeah. And that's why I think you don't feel that, like you, you see that tonal shift so heavily. It feels like it's two movies stitched together somewhat, two different films. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I, like I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel like to that extent. But I just felt there was there was parts where it was kind of very handily bridging that kind of the the more the parts that were probably a little bit horrific to to witness and and the, yeah. the, the humour and there were other parts where it was just it just clashed too much. I don't, I didn't think it was necessarily yeah that that broader uh, or that drastic a, a clash between the two and change for most of the movie. I think they they handled it pretty deftly for a lot of it, but there was just a couple of points where I just. Yeah, it was a bit unclear. I did feel that the main character kind of perhaps over-talked a little yeah. bit in sequences. It just almost felt like padding out a little bit to sort of fill the air, which I don't know whether it was necessary every time. Yeah, well, look, it felt like a, a product of how it was done and the style it was done in, right? Like the mockumentary and being fairly cheap. And as you said, less characters in a lot of lot of parts. There were sequences yeah. where she needed to be narrating it and, and talking a lot. But, yeah, there was other parts where, as you said, it just felt like feeling dead air. So it's sort of some of the humorous dialogue and some of the, some of the stuff that played really well got kind of mashed up in parts where it just felt like talking for the sake of talking. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. At times, the motivations were a little bit sketchy. Like, it kind of started off with her trying to pitch the the film and talking about, you know, how she would go about killing her friend's girlfriend and all that stuff. But then it kind of just sort of... I, I, I'm Perhaps maybe, again, I missed important pieces, mm. but I just felt that suddenly suddenly we're on a, we're, we're on a bit of a spree and I didn't quite... I fully understand how we got there, and then then we kind of had messages about women getting mistreated in 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 society, but also in the film industry and all that sort of stuff. And then we kind of go away from that for a little bit. Like I don't know, it just sort of felt a little bit up and down about how it was presenting its messages. Again, there was points of the film where I thought it was fairly fairly clear, and then there was just a handful of sections where I just felt. It was going to, like I said, it was, and I mean the title is saying I blame society. It's starting to take these these problems that it's putting out there and trying to put them in a kind of broader societal context rather than just this kind of film 
film industry bit that it's kind of starting in. But, yeah, I felt that there was a bit, again, it's towards the second half of the film where I was just a bit kind of muddled as to what the message was. And let, look, let's put it out there. We are not we are not the two uh, greatest minds to be fucking deconstructing these no. these films. You're not talking to Joe Bob Briggs here. You're talking to us too, no. which is not not quite the same level. But I just yeah, I thought I, I thought I was pretty clear on what was happening for a bit, and then it just and then lost went, a bit of clarity. In yeah, it lost a bit of clarity as to as to as to what it was sort of pointing at. The message was pointing at, and then towards the end, I, I felt a little more clarity again. So. Um, yeah, we kind of got it back a little bit. Yeah, perhaps to me, perhaps there was just something that we missed in that in that section of the film that would clear things up right up for us. Always possible. I mean, when I talk about a lack of clarity, I mean, who the hell was the guy in her house in his tidy whities <laughs> seemed to be cleaning up after her? Yeah, I, I, I don't remember where he came from. Well, I thought what he, he was, was doing. he was one of the victims that just sort of presented a, a useful purpose at the time. I mean, he was, as you said, wasn't he getting around in his tidies whities and then smoking meth or something like that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Like, uh, but it just kind of went. And it was a little bit at odds with. Well, again, I don't know where it came from, so I was kind of baffled as to what he was doing. And she's kind of having these conversations with him like he's a mate. Mm. And uh, it just seemed like a weird thing. I, I also felt he looked a bit like John Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> you told me there's no way John Stewart's fucking, that's not John Stewart. <laughs> no. And I'm still I on said, that line. I said maybe she of, knew him. I'm still on that line of thinking. <laughs> maybe she knew him. He, got, he said, yeah, I can give you a couple of days. <laughs> No, no? It, wasn't, it was not John Stewart. Okay, so, so it was not John Stewart. <laughs> I didn't even actually feel oh. it looked like John Stewart. <laughs> okay, maybe I was reaching. <laughs> Possibly. And the, fi- the the last thing for me was we finally get to the end. Yeah. And so we, f- we finally get to the end, and that particular scene, for me personally, it felt too over the top. You know, mm. certain things are done where I was just like, this is not in keeping with what we'd previously seen. It just felt like too much. Mm. Whereas all the others have been done and presented almost in a, I don't want to say realistic, but they were fairly standard. Whereas the last one was quite over the top. And I, did, I didn't quite, wasn't quite sure what to make of it. Yeah, I thought the over-the-top one, well, yeah, I felt one of those worked out really well. The one before, I was sort of here nor there on, and again, it was a lot of talking. It seemed like they, 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 they had a, there was a lot of dialogue to get out going on in, in that one, so, but yeah, I felt I felt the, the later one was a little bit sharper in, in sort of putting out Putting out what it what it wanted to wanted you to get out of the movie, yeah. And I, I, I mean, maybe it was just me, but again, as I said, it just it just felt a little bit off because I don't think we'd gone that far. Like I felt like we weren't there because the film had kind of got a little creepy, yeah, with regards to the darkest elements. And although that I felt the tonal shift wasn't right. I still thought those bits were probably at strength. Mm. 
when we started getting into some of that where it got a little darker and she started talking a little bit more, some of the things she was saying were quite creepy, mm. I felt that those things worked in that that context, but then we kind of get to something that kind of just felt like, nah, you've, you've not maybe not missed the boat, but it just didn't feel like it sat well for me. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Um, anything else from your end? No, that was that was pretty much it for me. Like I said, overall, I think it was pretty enjoyable. Yeah. Oh, look, it was definitely worth a watch in a sense of it's something different um, and it's something we don't get to watch a lot of this stuff. This is not usually our wheelhouse in, in a yeah. sense. Uh, and I would not really call it a horror film. I think people need to understand it. It's a kind of a, a hybrid, a little bit of horror, a little bit of comedy, but it's dark comedy. It's more of a dramatic sort of piece at parts. Even some of the, the, the horror and all even that. some of the scarier elements probably more fit into like thrillerish sort of yeah films. There's not there's so not- yeah. Check your check yourself at the door with regards to what you're kind of getting into. It's not a standard horror film or a standard comedy. It has some some sort of tentacles in each, but they're done in quite a in interesting type of way. Not always mm. successful, mind you, but certainly not cookie cutter, I guess you'd say. Yeah. All right. That is I Blame Society. Again, a big thank you to Arcadia Films for providing us with the screener to watch this. Again, the film comes out on May the 20th in the cinema and on demand in June or July. You can find us at Podomatic, iTunes and Spotify. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. We're on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia. Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com and on Instagram at thrillmepodcastau. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and Podomatic and just help us spread the word around about the, the podcast. Again, next episode, the Action Hero Draft. Jared, I've already thrown a few names at you. You have told me there could be some surprises in store in the draft. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, obviously, some obviously there's there's some top end talent there that'll really sort of turn you turn your unit around, <laughs> shall we say? But yeah. uh, some of the names you put in there, look, I might be passing on the pick and sort of scouring the undrafted <laughs> free agents at this point. <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, I'm drafting for need, obviously, but there's a couple of blokes in there I'm not 100% confident. <laughs> yeah, look, I'll be drafting my, for my, need. My people, my people have told me, be careful. I'm, I'm drafting for need, but, um, I mean, there's a handful of names where I look at it and say I'm not sure what need they're feeling <laughs> in, in general. Um, so, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Yes, we'll get to that. But until next time, take it easy. And we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.